0: Thank you, worship team. They're the best. There's nothing better than the wonderful worship team. Mm. Good morning, Legacy. So great to be here this morning. Little known secret, this is like what I prefer doing over giving those announcements. Thanks, Melissa. (laughs) My hero. (laughs) Thank you. It's great to be together this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Sophia. I am Tony's wife was found out this week that a lot of people have told me they didn't know that. So, Tony's my husband and I'm his wife. And we complete each other. So, no, that's not true. God completes me. But it's great to be here this morning with you all. This series has been one of my favorites. Um, As a relatively new member of Legacy, especially compared to the 70, 80 years of many of you, amazing. I think I'll always be considered newer because I don't think I'll even live that long, but amazing. Okay, so I've really loved this series because we've been able to talk about basically the pillars of who God is saying legacy is, and I've loved getting to know a little bit of that DNA. It's sort of like we got to do a 23andMe as a church this last month. We got to find out who we are. Where are we from? where does this church's values placed? Where have they come from? Where have they been grown out of? And where does that take us next? And I've really loved this series. We've gotten to learn more about thinking big with open hands. We got to talk about going deep into God's word. We got to learn last week about making room for new people. And today I get to close out this series with a message on the topic of lengthening our reach. And when I decided to take this week, basically Pastor Ralph said, all right, we're all going to take one. There's four pastors, and these are four weeks. So everyone pick one. And I just couldn't decide. But I finally landed on this one. He says, oh, good. That way you can go last and clean up after any of our messes. What is that called in baseball? I don't know, but... They didn't make any messes, and that's a really good thing because that was too much pressure for me. So we've titled this series, This Is Us, and rightfully so. These themes are the heartbeat of this house. That's why we're calling it This Is Us. It's who Legacy is, and not only it's who we are, it's who we're going to step in to be to continue to make an impact in our community. So, But this title is a little bit ironic Because the series is called This Is Us, but the essence of who we are is that this is not about us. So we we aren't here to simply enjoy of those four themes, those traits of our church for ourselves. We are here to take it as far as we possibly can outside of these walls to reach as many other people as humanly possible possible. And the great news, even though we're doing it as humanly possible, we're not doing it out of our own human strength. We get the ultimate superhero on our side. So that's amazing. We as a church have gotten to taste and see the goodness of God. We have the enormous privilege of a direct relationship with him. One very important thing about legacy is this. We are not okay with tasting and seeing the goodness of God and leaving it at that. If we have been so privileged with a connection with Jesus, how could we possibly be okay with not doing everything we can to make sure that everyone around us also gets a taste of that goodness of God? So today, if you have your Bibles, I'd love it if you would turn to Philippians chapter 2. If you don't, not a problem. We're going to have it up on the screen. That's the hope. Our Software gets a little bit finicky sometimes. So if you have a phone, you also can Google this. You also can download a Bible app. There's so many options these days. It's amazing. So one way or another, let's look at Philippians chapter 2 from verse 1 through 8. And I'll read the whole thing for us. So even if you're not reading at all, I'll do it for you. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So... That's a pretty packed scripture. I think we could probably do a whole series on it. But today I want to break down some really important themes in that that I feel are very much tied in with this theme of lengthening our reach. So verse 1, the key for me in the scripture is any. That word is used so many times. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, Any tenderness and compassion, any, implying even if it's a little bit, just a smidgen, a taste. If you have any bread in your cupboard, do you still have bread? We do. So this theme, I think, is so important. I I know that that word was used very strategically because that word implies It doesn't matter if you are the expert on love and compassion or if you're filled to the brim with all the traits of the Holy Spirit. This is saying any. Do we have any? Then, he says, then, so he said, if, then, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So this is a classic if-then illustration. Some of us, if we have kids, we do this a lot. Like when the child runs up to you, they've been potty trained for a long time and they're dancing and and having a total freak out. I really have to go to the bathroom. And it's like, well, if you have to go, then go. You know, we're like, uh, okay, if you're really that desperate, then why are you standing here dancing? You know how to do this, let's go. So if you do, then you go. Same thing with this whole concept. If you continue to hit your sister, then you will also have an issue. So we use if, then in our lives all the time. It's an illustration used everywhere because it's really simple. If this, then that. And so Paul here is saying... If you have any encouragement, comfort, common sharing of the spirit, tenderness, compassion, then I want you to go. Go, be like-minded, have the same love as one another, have, be one in spirit, be of one mind. Meaning, if you know Jesus, don't go at this alone. Do not go rogue. Don't think we can just muster, enough, muster up all the strength we need to do it as an individual. We need each other. We need to be of one mind. We need to be on this shared collective mission as one mind. And Paul is emphasizing that very clearly. And then it goes on in verse 3 to say, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Which all of us in America say, excuse me? Yeah not looking to your own interests, but rather the interests of others. Most of us, when we hear this line, we kind of automatically start rationalizing with it and reasoning. We say things like, well, not if he just cut me off on the freeway. Not if uh, they totally didn't hold the door for me even though they saw me coming. Or not if that guy cut me off on the freeway rudely. Not if they vote differently than me and post all about it on Facebook all in my face. Not if they believe differently than me. Not if they have a different sexual orientation than me. We rationalize the daylights out of this scripture. We make exceptions for it and it's our human nature. We read a truth and we're like, how can I make this not apply to me? This one's too hard. Where's my loophole? And this is a classic loophole searching scripture. So you know, we use, we look for those exceptions. We find ways to make it so that we don't have to do it. And, and it's not like any of us are saying that, no, I wouldn't do that. You see, that's an exception to the exception. We all do it. Everybody does it. And, or sometimes there's this really, really popular buzzword, and it's an idea of keeping boundaries. And sometimes, if we're really honest, we can use that phrase boundaries as a term It's kind of a cover-up for self-preservation. We have to watch carefully when we use that phrase, boundaries. And because what sometimes is actually it's us avoiding, avoiding laying ourselves down for the sake of another. And doesn't it sound sort of like what Paul is saying to us? Avoiding pain, avoiding sacrifice in the name of boundaries or whatever else we call it. It's kind of the same thing as looking to our own interests in order to not have to reach outside of myself. Now, I'm not at all saying that the concept of boundaries is wrong. It's not. I'll tell you what, I know a lot about boundaries. You should see my family. Okay. This verse is very clear to us, though. I will say, if selfish gain is the driving force behind your boundary or your lifestyle or your momentary decision, if it's driven by selfish gain, then stop reevaluate ask yourself ask the lord how can i extend my reach outside of myself in this circumstance then verse 5 comes and it hits us right between the eyes kind of like a wrecking ball it's really 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 kind of hard it goes like this it says explicitly have the same attitude as christ jesus Uh, the same attitude as Christ Jesus. If I were to say, raise your hand if you have ever had the exact same attitude. Okay, we do not always succeed at that. We need massive help with having the same attitude of Christ Jesus. It says, in your relationships with one another. I love how Paul here is teaching to us about human to human. He's not saying, this, is, this one isn't about your relationship with God. This is person to person. This is how we relate with each other. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, was God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, found an appearance of man, obedient to death on a cross." Paul's saying here that we must follow Jesus' example. He could have totally maintained his comfort up on his throne. That must be a really sweet deal. The son of the king of kings, the Lord of lords, that seems like the definition of sitting pretty. I mean, that he really could have just continued to bask in the luxuries as being the son of the king. But instead, and this is where we get to apply this to ourselves, instead of basking in our own comfort, Instead, Jesus reached outside of himself. He came here into our mess, mess. It gets messy down here and he saved us. There's such a natural and cultural tendency to value ourselves above others. It's everywhere we look, everywhere. It's in the way we run our finances, the way we build up our accounts as much as we can so that one day we can cash in. It's hoarding our possessions. It's our cultural taglines like, have self-care. You do you. Whatever makes you happy. Treat yourself. It's everywhere. We hear this all the time. And um, I was reading this week, and there's this quote from Greg Kuchel, and it says this. And there's a slide for it, I do believe. It says, personal peace and prosperity is one of the greatest idols of American Christianity. I had to sit on that one for a long time. Our personal peace, our personal prosperity has become an idol to us. Not all of us, many, many of us, and certainly our culture, we idolize our own personal prosperity, our own personal peace, however we can avoid conflict at all cost. Just make it easy on me. It's a driving force in our culture. And the truth is, we really tend to twist scripture to fit our worldview. We take scripture and we put it through the filter of what our worldview and what our society is currently saying. And that changes through generations. I know that there, are, there were buzzwords and empowering movements in generations before. In every generation, there's a new worldview, a new current push And we always, as Christians, which is a timeless faith, a timeless faith that goes through generations, that far reaches beyond the truths or the preferences of our grandparents, our great-grandparents, it's the kingdom. And there's a truth here that we always, for all generations, even in the Bible times, there's stories all about it. We take what God says and we twist it to fit our worldview. That Jesus wants us to be comfortable and happy above all else. The truth that we're not on this planet for ourselves is a very difficult pill to swallow for our individualistic, comfort-seeking, work-to-retire culture. While soul care is very, very important, self-preservation in the name of balance is really quite opposite of the gospel. We're told from so many sides that we need to take care of ourselves first. I hear it a lot as a mom these days. It's a pretty new concept. I don't know if it was told to my grandmother or my mother, but it's this concept of self-care. And we're told that we need to care for ourselves above all else. It's basically saying, you need to make sure all of your needs are met in order to continue to take care of those around you. It says, you know, if your needs aren't met, you cannot possibly meet the needs of your children or your husband or your neighbors. But if we go back and read again, doesn't that seem a little bit opposite to what Philippians 2 just said? It says, even if you have just a smidge of the love of God, go give it to others. We get to give to others. We get to pour out love, appreciation, care, acceptance, attention, even when our tanks feel empty. And whether we feel like we're filled to the brim or not. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. And if we're told that we need to be sure we're fully cared for and comfortable in order to go love others, then we miss the point. In verse 3, it says, value others above yourselves. We must be willing to sacrificially give, to lay ourselves down, to set aside our desires and our preferences. So I am definitely not up here pretending that I have this mastered. As a mom with five children between the ages of two and nine, I'm telling you, I would much rather shower alone without fingers underneath the door, make myself a nice balanced breakfast or like a shake, go do a circuit workout, walk the dog, and then care for my five small children. That would be really amazing. And, of course, I always have this desire in me says, come on, let me do it. Here's the thing, though. If I spend my days, now I'm preaching to myself right now. This is for me and hopefully for you too. If I spend my days wishing that that were my reality, I become angry with those people around me who I'm blaming for taking that away from me. Rather than thinking of their needs as more valuable than mine. Anyone who is in my house this morning knows that I'm still very much struggling with this issue. I'll tell you what. But I want to be clear on one thing about this one. God, as the God above all of us, he doesn't see anyone's needs as more important than mine. He doesn't think that I'm lowly and everyone else is better than me. He's just saying, I want you to follow the example of my son. Because God values us all equally, every single one of us. We hold the same value to him. We all carry the same worth. We are precious as diamonds and beyond to our Father. And so this is not a message of you need to have low self-esteem. You need to be down on yourself. You need to think you're junk. That's not at all what the scripture is saying. We are precious. We are prized. We are valuable. We are worthy. All of us. But he's told us and he sent his very own son to show us how to lay ourselves down as an expression. It's an expression of reaching outside of ourselves. So if we look at verse 6, he says, though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. So I like to insert myself into this scripture. I love what Pastor Susie did uh, three weeks ago. where or two, Three weeks ago. Two weeks ago. It's Sunday today. Two weeks ago, Pastor Susie had us insert ourselves into Genesis 1. And it was very powerful. It it has impacted me. And I don't think that will ever stop giving fruit. I'm really very thankful for that. So I'm doing this in this verse 6. And I think if we all look at that verse 6, instead of thinking of equality with God as something to cling to, he what? He laid himself down. And so this is our charge. This is what we get to do. We get to lay ourselves down for the sake of someone else? And we all probably have someone in our mind. Hmm, Who do I want to lay myself down for for the sake of? Who in my family really needs to see an expression of Jesus so that they can come one step closer? Who of my coworkers need to see me be a living expression of Jesus as I lay down my preferences, my desires, my way of doing things so that they get to see Jesus alive? Most everybody knows that Jesus was a, was a man and that he walked this earth whether they believe in him or not. It's, it's even culturally acceptable. He's like right up there with Buddha and all the other um, idols that our world has. We follow these leaders. But we know, we know that Jesus was not just a man who walked this earth. He's alive in us. And just as we read last week that alive and even his word is alive and active and it's in us. So we think of who in my circle needs to see me give up what I want. I'm willing to say, no, you can use a copier. I mean, I don't, I, I don't have an office job. I don't know what that's like. I need to break out a little bit. But I'm imagining I can say to my children, no, you eat. Yesterday, I tried to sneak into the kitchen and find these leftover pancakes that I had stashed in the back of the freezer. And I always make like a quadruple batch of pancakes because it's like, they're in the freezer, and they're so much better toasted than fresh off the griddle. No more soggy pancakes. Now you know. So I tried to go get these pancakes, and I literally snuck into the kitchen. Everyone was happy. I'm like, oh, my word, breakfast for myself. So I snuck down into the kitchen. I stuck these two pancakes in the toaster, and wouldn't you know it, everyone comes running down the stairs, pancakes, mom's making pancakes, and they can smell it. I'm, t- I'm like, no way so they literally ate all the pancakes except one and I didn't have a very good attitude for a little while I was like seriously not even once I want the pancakes first and so in that moment God's like you do know what you're preaching tomorrow (laughs) right uh convicted so I had to eat that one and my very soggy pancake because I put it back on a plate ruined so This was my opportunity to show my own family that sacrificial love, that servant leadership. And what's interesting is after I had that moment of conviction, thank you, Holy Spirit, I went off into the corner. I'm like, you know what, Sophia, fix your attitude. So I did. I came back, and three of my children thanked me for the pancakes. Three out of five is like really good odds. I like, three out of five, they said thank you. And they said, Mom, you're eating a little pancake. I'm like, I know, thanks, Mom. I mean, yes. It's nice when God totally says, see, told you, worth it. So <laughs> I, in that moment, I like to, and in most moments, this is a really, I have a concept that speaks a lot to me and that Tony and I really like to use in our lives. And it says, it's this, we, let's give up what we love for what we love more. I give up what I love for what I love more. What do I love? Nice, toasty pancakes. What do I love more? Children who have good characters that show gratitude, that honor their mother. That was worth more to me than my hot, I mean, really yummy pancake. It was worth more. And the fact that this concept is being shown to my children, I know that that will give fruit for years to come. Generations to come. Please, God. i It's worth more to me, those things. And I, want, I know that God is asking this church. God is asking legacy. Let's give up what we love for what God is asking us to love even more. You know, we all love our quiet time, our our individual time, our self-feeding time. But what do we love more? Let's ask ourselves that. You see, what I love more than my own comfort, and I know that we can agree on this one, I love showing my children a taste of servant leadership. I love my neighbor seeing a smile, maybe the first one for in their whole day. I love letting someone in on the freeway when no one else was letting them in. I love watching a friend being walked to their very first taste of Jesus. I love seeing someone lift their hands in worship for the very first time as their hearts realize, wow, you are sovereign. I am here and I love you. I love that. I love seeing a Christian who's been saved for decades be renewed with the passion of the work of the cross as they see someone for the very first time come in contact with our Jesus. I love these things so much more than my personal preferences and I know that legacy does too. And this charge this morning, I'm calling it a charge because really it's directly from the heart of God. It's in this scripture. Scripture is bathed in this concept. Jesus loved sitting on his throne a lot. I don't think he loved the feeling of pain and suffering for our sake. It's all over in scripture. We give up what we love for what we love more. What is God asking you as an individual What's he asking you to love even more than your personal preferences? Pastor Tony shared a a message a couple of months ago about Mark 2. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just want to pull out a couple themes in this scripture that I think are really important as we finish reviewing this charge. Basically, it's a story about some guys who were on their way to a meeting where Jesus was in the house. The house was packed. The entrances were blocked. There was no way in, no way out. They were there so that they could all get a taste of Jesus himself. They were desperate to get there, but they stumbled across a handicapped man on the side of the road. They were desperate to get him to the feet of Jesus. They were desperate to bring their handicapped friend to Jesus, so desperate that they cut a hole in the roof of mud and other things so that they could lower him down through the hole directly to the feet of Jesus because the room was filled, there was no entrance, but they knew this guy needed Jesus. There's three parts of this story that I really want us to carry home. Basically, the first part is, these individuals, the friends of the handicapped men, were already going to Jesus. They themselves were going to Jesus. They know they needed Jesus. They needed Jesus. See, you don't have to be the one all put together to bring someone to Jesus along with you. You don't have to be, oh, well, I already have Jesus. You need him bad. Get in there. That is not the heart of the story. The heart of the story is they needed Jesus and they saw this guy who wasn't getting Jesus and they're like, how can this be? Get him to Jesus. They needed Jesus, but not like everyone else who needed Jesus in this story. There was a difference. Everyone else who got to that room, got to that place with Jesus, had walked right past this guy. They were all enjoying their self-care all the way to Jesus, basking in it. He was there all along. there's a gravitational pull for all, from all of us and all churches to become a church full of and for church people. We ignore the very people Jesus came for. And I like to call it insideritis. It's like a condition. I don't know. But what God is asking us through this scripture and this series is to lean into something that works against that gravitational pull. We'll pull away from that pull of, I need Jesus, I gotta go, I've had a bad day, I'm going to Jesus right now. Hold on, do you know how many people you just walked by when you Facebook post about how bad your day was? All these people who said, yeah, me too. Call them, tell them, let's go, we're in this together. I struggle, you struggle, we're going to Jesus together. We all collectively need Jesus. God's asking us to pull away from that gravitational pull. The last part about this story is that they did whatever it took to get that man there. Nothing will stand in legacy's way. We will close the gap between those outside and those inside these walls. That is the heart of this story. We won't let anything stand in our way. What is the barrier from those outside to those inside? Let's knock it over let's make ourselves so attractive to the lost just like jesus did jesus did not come on this earth and to find the most holy people he wasn't like a member of the holy huddle he came for the lost he came for those who are not okay jesus is not opposed to the sinners not only is he not opposed he doesn't just like put up with them he throws parties for them like tony said last week He throws parties for them. He's attractive to them. Wherever Jesus went, a party went. And guess who was partying? Not the rabbis. Far from the church. They were not there. Who was partying? Everybody who was so far from the church. They were partying with this man who made himself just like a beacon. They just, whatever that is, I want it, I'm going. That's the effect Jesus had on this world. He he has started a movement that only he could have started. We get to, get to, big time get. We get to follow in his steps. Legacy is all about Jesus' example, not just in theory, in heart. And we've heard that over this series. This is who Legacy is. This is us. This is a church that will throw the party for the lost, who will take their very first step toward Jesus. A first step toward Jesus doesn't mean, oh good, you're all cleaned up, now I can stand being around you. No. No. No, it means, hmm, I wonder what that is. I have a question about Jesus. Yes, ask the question. Come in here. Ask us your questions. We would love to talk about your hard questions. Legacy's always going to continue to be a church for the lost. Why? Because we were once the lost. We still get lost. We still struggle. We need that same Jesus just like everyone else does. And we refuse to self-care ourselves right past the broken we refuse to self-care ourselves right past the 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 hurting the lost the confused we won't do it we're going to do whatever it takes to make this place a very very safe place for the broken and confused the angry and the desperate souls of this world so that they could know our jesus for themselves as pastor tony said last week we don't do the fixing Which I think is the best part about this whole relationship with Jesus is that the pressure is off us to fix people. We get to create this environment of party when you come close to Jesus, when you draw nearer. What a massive privilege. We get to create an environment where people get to just come and have a taste of the goodness of God. Just a taste. We get to do that. And we not only want to see more and more people exposed to the goodness of God. We must expose more people to the goodness of God. Band, if you want to come up as we get ready to close. As we wrap up this series, I really want all of us to take some time this morning to examine our own hearts. This concept of examining our hearts is one that's in scripture quite a bit. We examine our own hearts, but we also ask God, search me, know me expose things in my heart that you need to help me with, that you need to expose for me. This morning, I want us all as individuals to examine our hearts and discover where we're at individually in regards to this message. And I feel like there will probably be three categories with lots of bleed over. But in general, three categories. I think that some of you may be here. Really wishing that someone would reach outside of themselves to bring you to Jesus. Maybe you've been waiting for a long time, but I'm telling you this morning that Jesus himself is the one here and he's reaching out to you this morning. He wants your heart. He is the one reaching towards you. He's the one who broke down the barriers to get you into this place this morning. And if you don't know Jesus as your father and your friend, like we sang this morning, he's saying, I am right here. I have knocked over the barriers. I am standing waiting for you. I want your heart. I promise to take good care of it. If that's you this morning, we're going to have a time of prayer. And we're going to be able to meet you and, and pray with you or even pray by yourself. But Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And I think there's another group of us. I think there's another group who can ask ourselves this question. What is holding me back from giving up my preferences and reaching outside of myself for the sake of others? And band, you can go ahead and start playing. I think that a lot of times we don't even notice what it is that's blocking us what is it that's hindering us from being willing to lay ourselves down what's in the way what is it what's your personal preference that you, you just won't let it go you're not willing to let no God not that thing I need that thing don't take that from me come on we all have something that we go oh please don't make me give that up but maybe that's the one thing that God's asking that you would lay at his feet this morning or he can say, trust me, trust me, lay it before my feet, surrender it at my feet, I give you my word, I will be faithful with your step of trust. He always is, he always is. I think that there's some of us this morning that maybe we're feeling a fresh inspiration to do whatever it takes to reach outside of yourself, to bring Jesus to those who are lost and hurting. Maybe you are the one this morning say, you know what, enough, I'm ready. I don't even need to talk about it. Sophia, pipe down, let's go. If that is you this morning, this is beautiful because when we decide to sack, to lay down those things that we don't wanna let go of, and we say, yes, God, I'll do it. I'll do it, ask me to do it. God, I want you to use me. He says, okay, let's go. And he takes us on a beautiful ride with him. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. So this morning, if you find yourself in any of those categories or even something in between, I want to do something just a little bit different this morning, and I want you to write it on a Connect card in front of you. I, We want to know the heart. Where are, where are we at, Legacy? Where are you feeling? Where are you trapped? What's holding you back? Are you ready? Write it down. Tell us your name. Tell us what what's going on are are you ready to take that step are you ready to make a decision to make jesus your father and your friend your savior write it on that connect card this morning and we know that's going to be a lot more paperwork for us but that's okay we would love to hear from you but we're going to pray in just a little bit Um, and in the back we're going to have our prayer team there if you want someone to pray with you to pray over you to pray for you if you don't have the words to muster up There's gonna be people in the back corner over there that can pray for you, with you, over you. They can stand next to you as you pray for yourself. Let us know what you want from us as a prayer team. We're there. So if you'd like to do that, as soon as we start singing, you can make your way back there and do that. Sometimes we just need to come and be at the feet of Jesus and let him expose our heart. Sometimes we need to come to an altar and say, God, please search me and know me. What won't I let go of? Am I blind to something? Would you please shine a light on it? And he'll do it gently and so kindly. So this morning, I'd love to, we're gonna sing a song and I want us to just feel free. No one's gonna come pray over you here at the altar. If you want prayer, we're gonna pray for you in the back. This is a space for you. Just come ask God to show you what he wants to show you this morning. So we're gonna sing and um, as we sing of his goodness, I want you to tell him how much you love him and let him tell you how much he loves you. So let's stand. I'm gonna pray as we um, get ready to sing. Father, we are so thankful for your goodness. We're so thankful for the love that you lavish over us. You lavish your love over us with a great and beautiful purpose. Because it breaks your heart to know that there are people out there who haven't had your love lavished upon them. God, we are the privileged. We are the blessed. We are enormously, enormously favored by you, God. But you know that we are not okay with leaving it like that you know that our hearts break, knowing that there are people in our circles, in our direct circles, who haven't had your love poured out over them. God, we're asking that you would shine in our hearts what is getting in the way of us laying ourselves down for the sake of somebody else. Shine into our hearts this morning, God. Expose what you want to expose between you and between us. You are a good, great, great Father. You love your children, we are all your children. God, give us a new zeal, a new passion, a fresh, fresh passion to take your love that you've given, that you've lavished over us to those in our circles who haven't. God, get us a, make us a fired up people. Make us an excited people to see what you're doing. Give us passion, God. Let us go about it with great, great joy. God, fill us with joy as we know that what we're doing is exactly what you asked us to do. And is to lay down ourselves for the sake of others as you pour into us. We are so thankful, Lord. Be with us as we continue to enjoy of your presence this morning, in Jesus' name.
1: I've been held in your hands From the moment that
2: Isn't it awesome to fall into the hands of a wonderful God, a loving God, a loving Father? Well, I want to give us an opportunity next week to do what Sophia has been challenging us to do. God has challenged me to do something next week I've never done before. It has nothing to do with a magic act or anything or a feat of strength or anything like that, but... We feel like it's something that will really touch your heart and touch anybody's heart who you bring. We want to encourage you to invite people to church next week. Invite them to come meet Jesus in a new way. Can you have faith for that? You know, there was no guarantee when they took that man to the roof what was going to happen, but their faith moved God. I just pray that your faith moves God this week as you move out in him. right now, would you just... Pray with me for those in our neighborhoods and in our families that God would drop not only people on our hearts, but drop an opportunity on our heart, that if God's going to fix and do, then it takes a miracle even to open the door to people's lives. So can we ask Jesus to help us next week, reach people for him and touch people for him? Would you do that? If you just pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we want to have faith and believe in a great and mighty God. We know you're awesome. Father, right now we put our trust in you. That you're going to guide us this week, Father, to pray for, to love on those around us. That, Father, the results aren't in our control, but, Father, our actions to decide to reach the lost are. And, Father, I pray that you drop somebody in our heart. You drop a friend, a relative, a family member. And that, God, we will be those that can bring others to you. Father, bless this people. We thank you for them. Give them the best week ever. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said amen and amen. Bless you in the name of the Lord. You're dismissed.